five, four, three, two, one. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Moon Tea Podcast. Today we have a return guest, Dr. Mike O'Neill. Hey! Oh wow. Um, oh, Dr. Mike was on a, I guess like a double episode. I don't know when it was, maybe like 12 or 11. It was, it was probably, I think the only episode where, where Hugh and I were in the same room. That's probably true, actually. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah, most likely. But, and then it was such a terrible time. We've never had it happen since. I'll say. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. We had a blast that day. That was a great time. We moved yeah. the whole cities around, all the cities around. It was fantastic. <laughs> and and just, just for some context, we were, I think we were texting about like some Tesla investor blog. And then Dr. Mike had, he was like, we were just chatting about it. And he was like, how are you guys? And then I, and then I was thinking like, why don't we just catch up and record it and put it on the internet? So we have like a, like a three for one. So yeah, absolutely. That was fun. <laughs> it's really good to have you back. It's been so long. I mean, genuinely, how have you been? Like, we haven't talked very much. We'll text every now and then everybody, whoever is listening. And, and Dr. Mike is one of the most interesting people we've yet talked to for sure. Uh, it's because you guys got to meet more people. That's why I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, uh, what have I been up to? Um, crazy busy summer with the eye care practice. Um, eye care in America is challenging right now. Healthcare in America is challenging with the COVID pandemic. Um, hiring team members is tough. We're understaffed. Our area has very, very few folks who want to work in administrative positions. And it's showing everywhere. There's cracks in everything right now. Mm. Yeah, from a healthcare yeah. perspective. So very hard. Yeah, but um, yeah, everybody's doing well. Can't complain. How about you guys? Good. Great. <laughs> Delightful. I, I, what's my quick update? Mm, family's doing well. Friends are doing great. Designing bit by bit. Somehow still have a job. It's, yeah. it's a good life, you know? And then this, this thing is coming along. I don't know how we've made it so far, but hey, <laughs> we've stayed at it. Pretty consistent, awesome. I'd say. And, uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Good for you. And how about you, John? Um, yourself? I'm good. I'm I'm living on my own for the first time ever. Not not like like I'm living without housemates. Okay. So that's cool. Uh, yeah, I just moved to an apartment in New York City, on the Upper West Side, and um, yeah, it's been it's been good. I, I'm like decorating it how I like to just like in ways that make sense to me. Like I don't have a bed instead. I have a Japanese futon that I take out of the closet every day. Okay. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than that, I've been going to the office about twice a week, which is really cool. Um, and yeah, I'm, trying to i'm trying to like stay in new york city or the immediate area for a while and not not like 
fly around for a while because mm-hmm. yep. I did I did a lot of that the first half of the year. So just just like trying to trying to like build a community here and and just like go on bike rides and explore different parts of town. And uh, luckily, luckily, there's a lot to a lot to explore. So oh, you think uh, New York City, <laughs> man, you live 10 lifetimes there and just crack the surface. <laughs> yeah it's fun it's cool so uh you how about you where how about you on the work side of things how's everything going it's going well to be honest i somehow ended up as a senior product designer as a team of one we raised our series a in march Mm -hmm. 34.4 million oh wow and then hopefully raising again no not hopefully, but I think we'll probably be raising again soon. And the team's grown from one to now three and just put in mm-hmm. paperwork today to hire two more. So we'll grow to five. And I don't really know how to be a manager, but Hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's an interesting time trying to like <laughs> be at a scrappy startup and yep. <laughs> both design while also managing and yeah it's very interesting i definitely had one uh, at least one question in this whole time will be like so dr mike tell me about your thoughts on what a good manager equates to oh yeah absolutely <laughs> dang he was a he was the head of design now what an honor. senior product designer <laughs> hey. what's the space you're doing what Crypto? Yeah, we're in financial tech, fintech, and we are extending financial services kind of like virtual credit cards or cross-border payment channels, border-to-border, cross-border, et cetera, in developing countries or less developed countries as America. So right now we're focusing on the Latin America region, Mexico, started out in the MENA region, Egypt, Dubai is not really underdeveloped and stuff, but their payment channels and stuff like that and payment services aren't as well-developed. So stuff like Brex um, in America, but we're not competing with them because they're very American-based, uh, America-based. And so, yeah, we're kind of like Brex, but even more stuff as well. And then one day we'll be playing in the blockchain space. So we'll be doing some mm. tokens. We're going to have a tribal token. And I'm still trying to figure that out with our blockchain team. But we got a got funding for a few million in march from stellar and Mm -hmm. we'll be growing that out and we're building on the stellar blockchain and stuff like that and i'm sure even more details will be coming out soon but yeah it's it's an interesting game to play and i barely know what i'm doing so it's we'll get there (laughs) that's awesome man good for you that's That's great dude good stuff head of design at a rapidly growing company that is trying to do a lot of stuff in the financial services space. Nice. Absolutely. <laughs> and I just so, move squares and circles on a screen. <laughs> <laughs> we, all, we all do some variation of that. Yeah. Oh, it's true, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So what have you guys been doing reading-wise? Any interesting books? Please go for it, John. It reads more than me, I'm sure. Um, I've, I've been reading mostly for fun. So read. Mm-hmm. There's a Netflix like series about it, but 
read a book called The Queen's Gambit. So, oh, that was a terrific series. I watched that with my wife. Terrific. So, yeah. So I have I have not I have not watched it yet. Um, usually, usually in any given like month, a friend will be like, "You should really watch this," and like most of the time, I just don't. But yeah. I. Well, I've I've said this for like a week now, but like I want to watch it. For some reason, I haven't. But um, yeah, the book the book was great. Like it was really well written, really great story. Mm-hmm. I I imagine just as good like content as the series. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than that, what am I reading? I don't know. Um, I I downloaded like three more books, so have not read them yet, but. Mm-hmm. just like going through it so one about positive psychology that I'm kind of like I guess my sister and I have like a mini book club so we just have to like read it first yep. um and then yeah I just I, I really like biographies I like I like reading about a person and like doesn't really matter to me if they're like rich or famous or whatever but I guess I guess those are the kinds of people that people write books about but it's like it's cool to to like dig into like what people's motivations are and like try to like live a little part of their story because Mm -hmm. chances are it's really different from mine um but yeah how about you Dr. Mike any good books yeah I read The Art of Learning um uh me Josh (laughs) Waitzkin Oh, this is me. I, I read that. I read that like six months ago. Uh, somehow, Zoom will put it up here. <laughs> you need to draw a face on it, and then it'll, it'll uh, yeah. itself. <laughs> the 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 book was fantastic. Um, shockingly good. T- total top shelf book. But what I found so fascinating about it is here's a guy who was one of the top people in chess, and he quickly discovered his talent wasn't chess; it was learning. You know, and then he became one of the top people in Taekwondo. Um, uh, tai Chi push hands. Tai Chi, sorry, yeah, Tai Chi, <laughs> and he he just he he knocked it out of the park, man. In like two years or just over two years, this guy's one of the world champions from zero. I mean, this is like the not the coach to five k concept; it's the coach to the marathon concept in a month. <laughs> you know. I was talking to a patient of mine. He's, uh, I don't know how many degree black belt he is in Tai Chi, but it's a lifetime of learning. And this other guy banged it out in a little over two years. You know, it's just, that's not normal. It's not even reasonable. He just, he blew the doors off of it. And it was fascinating to read how he not only did that, but um, chess made him better at Tai Chi and Tai Chi made him better at chess, you know? Yeah, that was a really cool part of the book. Um, and yeah, fun fact, he's a black belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu person. Uh, and then now he's, I, I feel like we need an art of learning too. But now yeah. now he's like training for foil surfing, which I guess what foil surfing, I think that's what it's called, where it's like you have a little like windsurfing thing and then you have a thing under it and you can go really fast so i never googled something on a podcast but i'm looking at it now oh so it's one of those surfboards that you ride above it's above the water 
Yeah, it's got the fin, the dorsal fin, and then you can pop up the bob around on it. Oh, that looks yeah. fun. Yeah. So that's that's I I just saw an interview and that is what he's training for right now. I think I think he and his wife like left New York City and they're in like Costa Rica or something. But wow. Really interesting guy and like it seems so unreasonable that he could be like top 10 in the world in it, but I'm like rooting for him that he does. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's done it twice before. I'd always bet on uh, that guy. You know, it's why I love betting on Elon. It's just another mm-hmm. company he's going to blow the doors off of, you know? Yeah, Elon's a winner. Do you have a FSD uh, version 9, by the way? No. This is my sad face, John. My sad face. Oh. I'm on, uh, what is it? Version, just got an update couple days ago for anyone fsds yeah 2021.24.10 so it's well i guess i don't know if it's version nine maybe that is i can't remember but yeah um, so the the versions are independent of if you have fsc or not which i i discovered uh i my i don't have it either my fingers are crossed that i'm one of the first button pushers where they beam the magic button out and we can hit the button for fsd but you know elon was saying the other day that this friday the version 10 should come out and then today he said that it's going to blow your mind how much better it is than version 9 um and that's primarily because they removed radar so they removed something in order to dramatically improve something you know to be fair he says that about every version or it's gonna it's gonna blow your mind yeah this is a game changer this is amazing it's a it's a uh what's what does he use step change says it's a uh uh, what does he what does he always say something of something whatever but yeah well i mean i'm a fanboy obviously but he um it doesn't have to be the it doesn't have to actually drive with zero engagements in order to be successful. I mean, there are people, I've seen the videos where the drive is so long that even in 2X on YouTube with a video that's probably 5X, you know, you're looking at like a 10X, it's still a long video and these things are disengaging one or two times. And what I've seen is the disengagements come primarily when people think it's a little bit of a dicey situation. So they, uh, they take over manually, you know, but my, I'm, I'm so excited about this. Uh, I have a vacation going back to Western Canada where I'm from. and I, I'm trying not to schedule it around the FSD button. <laughs> Cause oh. I just couldn't imagine being, up in Western Canada, nowhere near a Tesla and FSD gets launched. Oh, I'd be mad. I'd be so mad. I'd have to wait. That'd be rough. If you, if you do want to be a beta tester, I think you can email someone at Tesla with your VIN number. Mm -hmm. And I think they will, they will like beam it to you and then you download it from there. I've heard about people getting it that way. Well, if you can get an email address for that, you let me know. That would love to to do that. I, I don't yeah, think like, they would have as many rural testers as they need. You know, 
out here in the boonies where deer walking across the road is a regular weekday, you know? I can do, yeah. be the person that tests the fuzzy animals, the fuzzy objects for Tesla. Yeah, those are those are all valid data points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm really super stoked about this. Cannot begin to tell you how excited I am. And you notice their stock price has come back to life lately. That's nice. It it took a like a half a year break, three quarter almost, almost three quarters of a year break, you know. But I don't think anybody can complain after owning it for for a short period of time and just making all like a bandit with that stock. So where do you guys think it's gonna go to? What do you think of the robot that came out? The art the AI day. Did you guys look at did you watch the AI day? That was yep. a lot. There was a lot going on that day. It was, it, I, the one of my favorite renderings was when they had, what was it? The dog, the kid and the mom jogging on the freeway. Yeah. <laughs> and <then> they're doing <laughs> model renderings off of that. And you're like, okay, fantastic. I'm, I'm very glad that we're able to do this digitally. <laughs> not... Yeah, that was, a, that was a little different, but. <laughs> it's cool. Um, the education. Yeah, what was your guys' impression of it? Of AI day. Oh, dude, that was that was over my head. <laughs> like, like I mean, it was awesome. I just, it's just like out of my depth, and I, I understand why, why like traditional analysts were not invited. Mm -hmm. It was it was a recruiting event, and I, I mean, okay, my my, I I think it was very funny when Elon had a guy in a robot outfit like pretending to be the robot and then he yeah. started dancing that was so funny um i i'm not i'm not as much of a fanboy with regards to the robot because i suspect that they don't have anything yet and that's why they have a recruiting event that's why they have a guy in a robot outfit um and that's yeah. that's fine i just i just think it, that's like a longer than medium term kind of sure. thing like he's he elon said one year like he doesn't know mm -hmm. he's never <laughs> built a he's never built a humanoid robot before and i mean i i hope that he does it but it's i'm i'm just like i and i mean i suspect with enough recruit like recruiting the right people and like someone like elon could do it um, I, I'm just, I'm just not like totally clear on what the value proposition is just because I feel like it's easier to build robots in the shape of like the specific thing that you're doing. But I, I guess, I guess that's the thing where anything that is built for a human, you can just like swap one of these robots in there. It's just like, I'm not totally clear on number one, how it helps Tesla's mission. Um, and maybe it does it indirectly. And then number two, like, what are we supposed to do with it outside of the manufacturing world? And I've heard, I've heard everyone's like hot take on what it could be, but it's like, we're all speculating here. Um, yeah, yeah it, I think it's a ways off to, I mean, he's talking about next year. I'd be really surprised, but the job ads that they're posting talk about bipedal robots the like the human stand-up ones and wheeled robots as well so that just illustrates that they're going to have 
different modalities for robots, you know? Um, but yeah, the, the AI day, you know, the robot got all the press, obviously, which is pure Elon. That's what it's designed to do. Get a headline, mm -hmm. every major technology section, or even the, the regular sections throughout the world. That's a, I mean, why post job ads when you can have people clamoring to apply to your, your company. Right. So he nailed it on the recruiting side of things. That was spectacular. And what was, I think underappreciated by people is that Tesla is they designed their own chip before for the full self-driving. They've designed their own chip a couple of times. Now they're building a supercomputer. So I just saw a week or two after that, that I think it was a department of energy just launched an 800 petaflop supercomputer and Tesla is and for something, I can't remember what it was, but like general use essentially. And then Tesla has got a 1.2 exabyte uh, supercomputer for one purpose and that's AI and the neural nets and, and that type of thing. Um, that's insane. Did you see the, what's his name on stage with uh, the big, it looked like a massive kind of Lego block for, for the chips and then they just stack them and, and they're off to the races. This is something that NVIDIA can do. Taiwan Semiconductor, maybe, maybe. And this is a car company doing this. I mean, at, at what point do you stop and you say they're not a car company anymore? I mean, for the love of God, they just designed their own supercomputer. Has Ford done that? Isn't, isn't Tesla seen kind of as a tech company that makes cars these days rather than a car company that makes cars? You Where know, you I live. <laughs> oh, okay no yeah i mean in your guys <laughs> most certainly right no i hear all the time that it's a car company it's a car company mm. over to be, and over to be fair most of their revenue comes from cars right now and most most people don't watch ai day and most people don't read elon's tweets so mm -hmm. uh but yeah i i agree there are a lot of opportunities with their dojo supercomputer and like there's a potential aws angle which elon has alluded to before and yeah i mean it'll it'll be it'll be cool i oh there was there's one interesting thing that i'm actually kind of interested in your hot take dr mike so in the in the blog post the um which we can link in the show notes if i remember too uh, but uh the the person the person basically says that once tesla solves autonomy it's not going to be worth them even making cars um i don't know if you read that but like yeah what do you think about about that maybe someday but tesla uh they're their, their core competencies have changed so dramatically, right? And so quickly, people don't, they just can't get their arms around how fast this company moves because companies their size don't do this. Um, I think that for these guys right now and for years, not a couple of years, but years, they're going to dominate manufacturing in ways that you can't fathom. 
not a little bit. Like we're talking right now, the regular car companies are 11.3, 11.6 margin. And Tesla's, geez, oh, depending on how you slice it, 25. And that's without the full self-driving being fully recognized. Like before they, they transitioned to having massive software company revenues, you know? I don't know what the margins are on full self-driving, but my car, your car, we've got all the cameras, we've got the computers in them and they can't recognize most of that revenue, right? So they are, from a manufacturing standpoint, somebody, maybe as Elon had said, a regular factory is set up for two dimensions, length and width, and it goes up a little bit. Like they build into the air a little bit. What Tesla is doing is they're, optimizing their manufacturing processes for volume not number of carts coming out physical volume of the factory as in if the things i think uh, austin's like five stories tall or something like that they are filling the volumetric space of the manufacturing facility so they're just as a manufacturer they're playing with an extra dimension and that's a literal way of thinking about it, right? They're not length width, they're length width and height. They're looking at cubic volume of this. So they're just, they figured out that if you apply the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule to trying to get better and better gains on their cars, they said, well, yes, we're going to still do that, but you're trying to squeak out a percent or half a percent or things like that. Whereas, um, we could approach it differently and take all this big brain engineering power and put it in the manufacturing process, which most people overlook or at some level, they, they don't focus the same amount on it, right? So they are, and Elon said this a couple of years ago, they're, when every car company has full self-driving, they're going to be the de facto leader in manufacturing. So getting back to the point of the AI, with, I mean, okay, I'm an eye doctor. So how do humans see, right? Well, you got these little um, cameras <laughs> with auto-focusing lenses, and then you got these cables that go into this big neural net and everybody calls it a brain. Tesla's, they're just copying. They're just copying the entire system that has worked for all of humanity's lifespan. And so they're not, uh, you don't need lasers in their model, probably. I mean, probably, right? Uh, you don't need all these other things. They're just modeling how humans see. And the neural net that they're working on, um, what, what is the most spectacular thing about this is look at their iteration time. That's what the media doesn't ever talk about. They're currently doing two-week software launches. Hugh? In your business, can you launch every two weeks like clockwork? Well, we do sprints on every two weeks, but uh, yeah. John, John probably could vouch for that. Exactly, like a full, a full launch of something so incredibly complex. And they can reach out to their fleet. They can tell them to grab certain edge cases, pull them back, and then use that auto-labeling team. And then the 1,000 people, I mean, for, for, for crying out loud, they have a 1,000 people that label these edge cases. So they built a machine to improve so quickly that it's currently at the two-week level. 
right? And in all likelihood, a couple of days of that is just fluff and buffer time. So when they get this supercomputer running, how long will it take them to go through an iterative cycle to improve the, in this example, the full self-driving? Yeah, I, you, know? you did, you did uh, make a pretty good comparison to the, like, like we have our eyes, it's connected to our brain. It's like exactly how it, it's working. Right. Tesla has, has eight cameras. Like it's a vision-based approach. It's, it's, it's the same, it's like, it sees the same, uh, the same like light that we see with our eyes. So it can like easily read stop signs. It can easily see someone walking with their dog on the street. And then this dojo thing is like the brain that's learning and being trained. So yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that just like how that speeds up that iterative process of learning and making fewer mistakes. And yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. It's like once once they like kind of get it, then they'll really get it. Because when, when they kind of get it, they, they figured out like the right feedback loop. And that is right there. That's the key. With Dojo, they, like they're at 20, or uh, let's call it 12 to 14 days for an iterative cycle on something unbelievably, mind-bogglingly complex, right? So they add Dojo into that. Their cycle time it could go down to two or three days, right? And the two or three days theoretically could be a day or two of testing. The computers aren't going to need that much time. We all know that. So this is a cycle time that like right now they're going to have upwards of 20, call it, take Christmas off, 22 to 24 iterations and improvements in a calendar year. Dojo gets up and running, they could do 200 iteration so how many times do you have to improve full self-driving before it gets to the point where it's better than humans and then like 99.9 percent and 99.99 percent and then five nines and six nines how many times how many iterations does that take i don't know the answer to that but 200's got to knock it well out of the park right so then they've got this entire machine built to learn how to do something really hard using eyeballs, like fake eyeballs and fake um, brain. And now they want to build a robot. And by the way, their, their supercomputer, they want more of it. They just need to figure out how to put more ice cubes on the chips to keep it all cool because they can bang out more and more. Like the whole thing was scalable. They just set up a pod for crying out loud. So that thing could be a, I don't know what comes after exabyte. I looked it up and I forgot, but that could just <laughs> continue to, to scale. So this is the dojo for full self-driving. What if there's dojo for household um, chores? Like a household cleaning robot. It mops and it sweeps and it tidies yeah, up. In the Jetsons from way before you guys, I'm that cartoon, or Rosie was the name of that. My wife reminded me of that, but they had a household robot that did all of that stuff. So you 
<laughs> there we go. A zettabyte and then a zotabyte equals bron brontobite. <laughs> a brontobite. Well, that's fantastic. <laughs> Who doesn't want a brontobite? It sounds like uh, some type of dinosaur chicken wing, you know? Um, you so get so advanced, you become dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> it's full mm -hmm. circle the circle of life. Yeah. yeah yeah the interesting thing to me is that is that they've built this supercomputer they they're building a factory like they're building this factory in austin and berlin and i'm sure i'm sure there's more to be built in china um also nevada the gigafactory like that's still that's still getting bigger yep and this is like all like they've been profitable the last like six quarters or something. So, so it's like, they're like, they're investing the cash into more factories and into these supercomputers. And it's like, they're no longer in a place where they're constrained and they have to pick and choose like where to invest. Cause like back in 2017, everything was invested into the model Y production ramp. Mm -hmm. and and now like model three and model y are just like raking in cash and like yeah people will say oh but it's a lot from credits and it's a lot from like blah 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 accounting whatever it's like well they've been profitable for, they've been profitable for six quarters like they are making money yeah there's some truth to that with uh the accounting credits and things um they're looking at the icing on the cake, not the cake. The cake is delicious. It's big. It's growing. It's spectacular. And there's going to be less icing on it. Who cares? You can have more and cake if, than you need. Or know what and every, every year that cake is 50% bigger than it was the previous year. Yeah. So and every, yeah. Go you, you go back to that AI day, skip the robot. The robot was pure. PR. It was Barnum and Bailey uh, PR, but you go back to what they're they're building. They've got the ability to manufacture at insane levels, and it's about to happen. I mean, Wall Street never believes anything until it happens. It seems for crying out loud. But these massive factories. I mean, Austin. I don't think they've ever talked about the capacity of that place, but it's insane like it's enormous and there's more and more and they can it's texas so they can do whatever they want they just keep building germany's horrible as far as a climate for building that stuff um but you know they'll have all of these vehicles they'll have the ability to control a vehicle what if they could make a vehicle stand up like a transformer oh wait they're thinking about that you know with these these robots right so to get back to like what the what can you do with the AI side of things and the robots? I think the answer is in a lot of ways, whatever the hell you want, you know, whether it be like, would somebody pay 25,000 bucks for a robot that could actually clean your house? Gazillions of people would do that. Right. Um, however, less of them would pay for it than like warehouse people. Imagine if there was a robot that could pick fruit and vegetables 24 hours a day. What's the value of that to a company? You know, um, I don't know how hard it is to walk across uneven terrain uh, or to figure out which type of 
avocado looks better than the <laughs> other type of avocado or or blueberries or who knows what like blueberries would be tough because you can't squish them but certainly somebody's thinking about that type of thing right so that isn't going to happen by next year regardless of what elon says um but i think that people just don't get the fact that they have talked about the vehicles they talked about all this they're they're demonstrating they can do all these spectacularly difficult things with the machine learning um but they built the machine they built the machine that makes the brain smarter and they're going to mm -hmm. start making the machine that is attached to the brain called the body um this is actually happening right in front of us you know pretty spectacular i'm not employed by tesla although you think i would <laughs> hey tesla if you want to sponsor us i know i know you don't do any advertising but if you want to <laughs> we'll take yeah. zero dollars and a sticker we'll take yeah. it sticker. sticker sounds like pretty i'd frame that sucker and pull, pull it behind uh bulletproof glass you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so we have a little less than 20 minutes for the rest of the episode. Dr. Mike, what, what are you interested in, in uh, diving into? We could keep talking about Tesla and EVs. We could talk about crypto. We could talk about how good his hair looks. <laughs> um, you guys pick. All right, Hugh, tell us about your hair. <laughs> my vote would be what I, I i'm i'm so robots tesla amazing i i'm but also i think about the other extensions of tesla that sadly aren't as talked about as much right like the power wall the solar panels and such and then also just like ways in which it uh like arguably sure self-driving is benefiting mankind robots that help us help amazon do more shelf lifting and such will benefit mankind and dusting our house will benefit mankind. But what, what are some other things that I'm just trying to think, because I think Dr. Mike, you're one of the, one of those more, uh, well, very, very knowledgeable on just like a lot of things. So what are some other things that you think are important that we should be addressing or looking into addressing and how to fix that? you see as possible problems that uh, people are struggling with that um, some people don't need, you know, a self-driving car. They might need just running water type thing. Yeah. Um, I really wish Tesla did the HVAC stuff. I'm itching for that. The, the field is ripe for massive innovation. It's ridiculous. Uh, we ha we're having an HVAC problem right now um, in our house and it's just ridiculous. The hoops a person has to jump through for something like that. Um, Tesla could knock the, that industry on, a, on its butt, plain and simply, just flat out on its butt. And I think it needs to do that. Um, I would really love it if it did. But, you know, bigger picture, um, Elon isn't doesn't seem to be attracted to the bill gates approach of like micronutrients and toilets all these incredibly unsexy things that actually change the world i mean micronutrients is so boring it can't get attention but as far as impact on children and growth and iq scores and all that this you can't find anything to beat it you know um 
So Elon just doesn't seem to be attracted to that, right? He wants to grow humanity to another planet, all those types of things. And uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I think that Tesla, as far as manufacturing goes, um, getting these robots up and running will happen vastly faster than anybody thinks it's going to. Um, I saw 60 Minutes on Boston Dynamics. You guys ever see that that bit on 60 Minutes where they have the dancing robots and all that stuff? And that was so cool. Except look at the blooper reel. That's what they didn't oh, what talk happened about. on the blooper reel? I didn't see this. Robots were falling all over the place. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because they they have to be programmed, hmm. right? I don't I don't believe they're using neural nets. So the robot wasn't able to adapt to its environment. It looked like it had to be hard, like not hard coded, but geez darn close, right? So a company like that that's already figured out the locomotion aspects of a standing robot in a lot of ways. Um, that might accelerate things quickly, but I, I don't, I don't know what, what they're going to work on next. Um, I would love if somebody with this level of engineering talent dove into vaccines, kind of a hot topic right now, <laughs> you know, um, the MRNA vaccines, and this is probably why Moderna is doing so well uh, stock wise, but those will end up changing the world i i think i said last time and maybe i didn't but um moderna and pfizer those whoever created those vaccines they're going to end up winning the nobel prize and if they don't it would be a travesty absolute travesty but they're um they're talking now and there's an hiv vaccine in testing there's uh there's vaccines for some um some kind of far-flung stuff that they're looking at looking at doing and gene editing that's another thing that's enormous in healthcare uh super complex super boring not going to get any attention up until the point that they can announce something's cured but there's some extremely specific awful diseases that can be cured with gene editing so i would love it if some of that ai you know dojo stuff could be um maybe plugged into to healthcare a little bit. And I don't know if that's an apples and oranges type comparison, but it would do a lot of great things for the world, you know? Totally. Hmm. Yeah, my understanding of the Dojo supercomputer is that it's optimized for training. It's like for like machine learning training stuff. And I, I would love to like, spend a month looking into like the different chips and like yeah and like looking into like hardware and seeing how everything works i just haven't had a chance but yeah that's that's interesting to to like think about because elon has said there's an there's an aws angle where they can like rent out like they could they could if there's if there's a if it makes business sense they can probably build like hundreds of these and then just like rent out server space yeah and, and yeah, it's like really interesting to think about what could be built when you can, when you have a bunch of data and, and then you can like train, 
and like i don't i don't exactly know how it works but my guess is like you train some kind of like reward function like you you have a bunch of data and you say like try not to get hit by a car and then it learns and it gets better and better and uh yeah it's like we're thinking about like gene editing or like developing vaccines or or like insert whatever really big Mm -hmm. problem here and it's like there's a lot that if i'm understanding it correctly it's like a it's a big opportunity not not just for like tesla's business but also for hopefully doing really impactful stuff and then maybe some controversial stuff but Mm -hmm. hopefully mostly good impactful stuff that'll be that'll be really interesting to to uh just like continue to keep an eye out on and like learn more about yeah yeah like with with tesla's um they did the simulation at ai day so they built these simulations that were so ridiculously accurate the software can could learn from a simulation that was really something that's a game-changing concept you know the the worlds that were training the neural nets didn't physically exist in real life right so if that can be done can they take um put a thousand or two thousand people on the case for creating a model you know a simulated model of uh human x whatever that might be for testing these type of healthcare concepts i don't know the answer to that um but they also started with two-dimensional images and they figured out how to create vector images so they're basically adding yet another dimension to their modeling and they they pulled it off for crying out loud and they did an incredible job of that so i wouldn't count any of these folks out but it's just where do they choose their focus you know where do they want to put that and elon is the uber geeky um engineer so he's looking at more of the mechanical type of things in so many different ways right Uh, but if they not if but when they open up the dojo concept to joe public um you're gonna have an insane amount of neural net training for things like for example diabetic retinopathy um when you have diabetes and your diabetes is really bad and it causes the back of your eye the retina to uh, bleed and hemorrhage and all those types of things there's currently ai looking at that so that's has nothing to do with tesla obviously but these are um as far as an ai problem i'm not going to say it's easy but it's easy for ai because it's the same thing same uh type of picture every single time so they have a constrained environment you know, you're not walking around with a, a camera, an iPhone, taking pictures of the world and then asking a computer to figure out if they have diabetic retinopathy. It's not like that. Um, so at some point can, um, for example, skin cancer, can you take a picture of your arm? And if you have a, a mole or a freckle on your arm, can you upload it to the skin cancer prevention app? The phone beams it up to Mr you know, Dr. Dojo, <laughs> the dermatology <laughs> uh, AI, and sends back with a risk level. So this is something that a person, Joe Blow with an iPhone, could take a picture of their skin, send it to the, uh, you know, Dr. Dojo, and then the doctor says their risk level and whether or not they should show up in person to a dermatologist. You know, something like that, if it hasn't already 
if it's not in the pipeline, it needs to be. And there's no reason it can't do that because the neural net would just be fed with gazillions of pictures. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Wow. So Andrew, Mike, what are, what are the business opportunities here? Well, I mean, I don't know. There's so many of them that it's hard to, I'd have to really stop and think about that. I mean, what has incredible demand, absolutely incredible demand, right? Um, that's probably one of the core reasons why Tesla is so successful is they don't have the demand problem. You know, um, I have a friend in Norway right now, his wife and, and uh, family live there and he's a doc in the U S um, or his wife is finishing up training over there. And so he goes to Norway every couple of weeks and they have like a 74% electrification of their vehicle, of their passenger vehicles in Norway. So if you want to find out what the opportunities for, for electrification are, get on a flight, go to Norway and see what the see what America, North America is going to look like in 15, 20 years. It'll be super similar because they've already figured it out. Right. So what, um, what, exists in the regular world that AI could do an absolutely spectacular job at. Um, most people hold it rather near and dear to their heart to stay alive. So healthcare is going to be a, a rather large chunk of that. Um, and I don't know other parts. I'm not sure. And one thing I want to mention, though, is I don't think we should underestimate gaming as a concept to this right like people my age feel very differently about gaming than people your age and you guys feel differently than people who are still in uh, like school and stuff but um, gaming makes more money than hollywood That's crazy. There's, there's more revenue in gaming than hollywood all of hollywood right and so you think if you could put a person into something that's so immersive in fact, somebody said that, um, I can't remember who it was, one of the Twitter folks said that Tesla's got these simulations that they're using for full self-driving. They wanted Tesla as a new revenue stream to license them to Grand Theft Auto and those types of franchises so that they could, um, they could develop their games faster by using Dojo as a service. And I thought, well, I didn't see that one coming. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, I feel the, the the graphics engines are being used like I feel like it's kind of a symbiotic relationship. Little I know is the gamers and the gaming industry create the engines for the graphic renderings. And it's gotten to a place where Tesla is able to start to understand that type of uh, tool set and utilize it now. And now it's almost coming back full circle where they've created yeah. such a tool that the gaming community is trying to, to tap into it, which will be interesting. Yeah, there's so much value to each of those two companies to, to figure out a way to make this work that I don't see a scenario where it doesn't happen at some point. I don't know how the gaming stuff is made, but, um, and then geez, think about how many Teslas that's gonna sell. Somebody's driving around a Cybertruck, right? There was a, a Chinese company that made an ad for the Cybertruck um, it's a Chinese gaming company. They use their Cybertruck in the, the ad and it was insane. Absolutely insane. You just wanted to buy one as soon as you're done seeing this is a computer game. Nothing to do with Tesla at all, as far as I know, right? 
Um, uh, so Tencent is a large shareholder in Tesla, and they yeah. own a bunch of games. So yeah, uh, that was yeah. probably the the reason for the connection. Probably, yeah. Um, but yeah, still, still very cool. It's like free advertising, mm-hmm. and the game game gets some street cred because they have a cool car in there. Yeah, it was it was just a, a nice tie-in. So I, I think that um, the gaming side of things, you'll see. Well, not that we want to get into crypto this far into the phone call, but um, Ethereum, Bitcoin, all those things are focusing on. Ethereum's focusing on DeFi. Somebody said the other day, Solana's uh, focusing on gaming, which would achieve faster mm-hmm. adoption. And I don't know if that's accurate or not, but whatever the crypto is that would be focusing on gaming or enabling gaming or whatever, I think you got to take a long, hard look at that because um, if you look at the budgets of people who play computer games seriously, I don't think there is a budget. You know, people dropping five, six, eight, ten thousand on their gaming rig. Um, I got some relatives with those racing chairs. They vibrate now. I mean, uh, the the whole night. These people are not spending a hundred dollars on a joystick <laughs> like the old old days so um it'd be interesting to see how that kind of turns out That's such an interesting point i feel like one of the biggest throttles and throughputs for expansions for blockchain technology picking up is just having people be able to use it easily and transactions mm-hmm. and transfers and that's something like there's been the a relaunch of world of warcraft recently and some of yep. my friends have played it and they tried to get me onto it sorry friends but i i always watch it though and and it's incredible to me because something that is interesting slightly tangential but is exactly that point of if someone is able to create the blockchain tokens or nfts really and they're able to distribute it and get the community adoption effect of the gaming network then Things like in Dota, there's a game called Defense of the Ancients. It's one of it's the highest uh, prize pool ever. It's like thirty million plus for their their Super Bowl every year, right? Wow. And it's insane. And basically, in the game, you can get items, and on those items, you can get signed items, and you can wear it on your character and use it. But I'm like, what if? And it just makes so much sense that one day in the digital world, there'll be NFTs based off those items and those item sets you can purchase and transfer. There'll be a valid uh, monetary value that are interchangeable, not just within a gaming system of Dota, but throughout the whole abstracted network of every game. And then even in World of Warcraft, right? Like if they had yeah. one day they create items and people pay $10,000 for XYZ orange item, I don't know, but it's it's a really good point that you make about the Solano and ecosystem well, you, taking off. You guys heard of Comic Con, right? Mm. So the physical world, not the digital world. Although there would be an argument, there's a cross, a heavy crossover there. People spend an insane amount of money on on stuff at at those types of events. It becomes this entire community, um, which celebrates uniqueness and individualism and and all those types of things. What you just said with the the NFTs being unique, you pin them to your character, whatever it might be. Um, at some point, you don't have to spend much time in the real world anymore. That's the part that you scares know, me. 
your avatar is, is is digital and you make it more you're like where are you investing your money are you investing it into new clothes for yourself or are you investing it into new outfits for your avatar and i'm willing to bet you that it's a shockingly horrible ratio going into the digital world not the physical world you know oh god yeah how long do we have on on just nft artworks and then the digital realm being created i i don't know if i'm actually very excited for the direction i'm not yeah. being a negative nancy here however i do like the idea right of so like ethereum like very briefly ethereum is interesting because they're kind of eurocentric outwards and they're kind of solving first world problems and and such like that but then i, I do still enjoy keeping up on a heartbeat on like cardano and how they're actually trying to help third world countries create an identity system and even a medical record system right so if you have a heart attack on the street and you don't have and you're an immigrant and a refugee how do you know what their optometrist said last time to fix their bleeding retinals just because they're diabetic you know Mm -hmm. i think that would be i think that's really cool to to see but i don't see how the biggest issue i see is is how do people in the first world and especially younger generations how do we get inspired and how do we become less virtually driven and rabbit hole into just going to VR for life and living um, an escapist type reality. Maybe it's not, but I, I think it kind of is. And really trying to instigate and instill that desire to utilize such technology for external purposes. And, and I still don't know it yet, but. Well, what I'm doing with our kids, and this is uh nothing to do with Tesla. <laughs> Although I did set up an IRA for them and they bought some Tesla shares, but that's another point. Um, Good job, kids. It's conversation. Like it's conversations like these, right? Even though this is virtual, we met in, in person and we had mm-hmm. physical conversations that just so happened to be virtualized, mm-hmm. right? So what, what I, they're asking me, uh, we have two boys, uh, 10 and seven, and they're asking me when they can get an iPhone. And my answer is basically like, never. I don't tell them that exactly, but I want them to learn conversational skills, right? I want them to learn how to talk to people because at the end of the day, no matter what, this will still be a people game. Being successful in life will always be a people game. It might be a digital version of a people game, but those those characters, those avatars, they're still going to have feelings, emotions. They're going to get offended if you say something bad. They're going to get happy if you say something uh, you know, that, that, uh, goes that route. So, um, that's how, and I spend it more time than I'd like to admit trying to think this through, but that's how I would like them to, to learn how to live their life, you know, and you guys have already figured this out, obviously, but how many people your age go home and hop on the Xbox or the PlayStation and then go to sleep at night? You know, not many or Instagram <laughs> or yeah, anything right. else. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to hammer this, but my wife spends more time than I think is healthy on Facebook. And I've now Uh-oh. got kids, <laughs> here's what the kids say. Uh, our, my, our kids, uh, they go, oh, mommy's on uh, mindset cancer again. And she's like, what? And I said, well, I told them when you're on Facebook over and over again, you're giving yourself mindset cancer. 
And she's like, you are nuts. Well, okay. So this is obviously a, a, an extremist position. I took a, a rather um, ridiculous position with her, but you know, Facebook's designed to, to get you to scroll forever and compare your life to how everybody else feels. Except that's not really how they're feeling. That's their public perception, right? So you've got one marketing brochure um, after another coming from people in so many different ways. And then you've got your own reality and there's no way you can measure up to that. School pictures for kids are a fantastic uh, example of this. And we're all going through this right now um, with the kids. You've got these kids parked in front of this beautiful door, the front door of the house, beautiful house. Everything looks fantastic. What a wonderful day. This went off without a hitch. Nobody screamed, yelled, cried, threatened. Well, as a parent, that's exactly how it goes down. You scream, you yell, you threaten. You got you to do all of this stuff for these kids on picture day. But none of it comes across in the photos. So I use this as an example because... Um, for us, we, we actually had a great day on the first day of school. It went down extremely well. There wasn't all of those types of things. Um, the previous years, it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible trying to get the kids to stand still and look happy for these pictures. But when they go on to the social networking side of things, you just never get a chance to feel happy about something because by design, the psychology behind it makes you think you're inferior it can't possibly be a different outcome. On average, not everything, right? But on average. And you also deal with people who are, are extreme attention hounds. They're trying to get as much attention as possible um, on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm picking on Facebook, um, Instagram, the, you know, I don't know how TikTok is for this type of thing. That seems to be a little more entertaining. Um, I think it's living in that. It's literally that's why it's the worst is because it's so sticky and it's the fastest yeah. growing social network ever. And right. oh goodness, yes. Right, but now you compare your life where you go to work. It's hard most days or some days. You have problems that you have to solve in real life. You got a girlfriend or a boyfriend that's not super happy with you, and you compare it all to this perfection persona on Facebook. How, under what scenario can you possibly feel good about yourself? Explain. I'm all ears. I, I just think I just want to say that research suggests that the amount of time that you spend on Facebook or Instagram is positively, positively correlated with uh, your likelihood of suffering with anxiety or depression. It's like a very, yeah. it's a very clear relationship. Yeah. So do you think mindset cancer is too extreme? I, I agree with you. I would not use those words. Yeah. So it needs um, a little more. My wife. Yeah. Marketing it needs, it, yeah. It needs <laughs> a little uh, like leads needs to be smoother on the edges, but yeah, I don't, I don't know your wife. I think it depends on what she, what she might it's like on your humor between to. yourselves. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm sure there's there's a lot to I'm sure you're doing well. That's just to think of the worst possible thing to call it so that it so that the kids latched onto it and they would point it out every time. And they do, and it's fantastic. So our children will need therapy because of daddy's uh, marketing term for Facebook, but uh, that's okay. At least they won't be on it. 
Oh, that's funny. yeah. I I don't want my kids on social media. My unborn children. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was actually yeah. really interesting for me. I I've never been opposed to just not having social media as a media studies major. It's always been interesting to me, but over time, it definitely started to like as a designer from a design perspective there are touch points when interacting with a digital interface uh, like an app that cause mental cues and so there's actually that one episode that everyone's probably seen and i forget what it's called on netflix of the the social media the network thing and the guy that's a designer he's like the biggest thing i regret is designing the infinite scroll and the fact that you can infinitely scroll without any uh, built-in cues that yeah. cause you to press and say, load more. And I think that as well as algorithmic type tendencies of matching you with similar interests and then becoming even stickier that way, it, it, it is just basically built for addiction and mm-hmm. to maximize as John once famously put it to me as we were driving up to Big Bear to go camping. He's like, you know, Facebook's algorithm is literally designed to keep you on there longer, right? And it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So something that I thought was cool, and I just literally talked to my friends with this yesterday, is we compared our, um, we have iPhones, and we compared our metrics for pickups. And if you swipe left from your dashboard, uh, you can see your pickups probably or under health or whatever. And then you can also see total hours on your phone per day or per week and then it'll break it down by um, the apps that you use and I remember going through this where I uninstalled Instagram TikTok Twitter um, and Facebook and literally overnight about two months ago four months ago I don't remember now uh, my usage of my phone went down by 68 percent and now is pretty consistent in that sense so it's kind of interesting and I think that technology is neither good nor bad, but it just depends on how it's designed and utilized. And I do think that a lot of these social media apps are definitely designed to not get you off the phone, but on the phone more. I wish there was more, like uh, from a designer perspective, it would be nice to have a phone where you can have a lot more curatorial privileges to allow XYZ emergency contacts to come through at any time, turn off the ability mm-hmm. to get all of these other types of apps and stuff like that. And then uh, just exactly what you're saying of being on the map all the time, especially, you know, now with Starlink coming up, you're going to be having yeah. kids in uh, camping and they're not really camping. You're just on Instagram. Like I'm down with Starlink because I can go work and literally be on my laptop and design and then go on a hike. Right. I'm yeah. excited for it that way, but technology isn't going to do that for everybody. It's going to cause people to be on Instagram more. And that's like kind of where all of this kind of thought process goes. Of, I don't know. You know, you know what my 10 uh, year old, our 10 year old just told me two days ago, he was on Roblox and he spent a bunch of um, Robux, their, their money on Roblox. And he knew he wasn't supposed to do it. Um, he knew he was doing it over a period of time and he did it anyway. And I asked him, why did you do that? And uh, he said, dad, it's like smoking. I just can't stop. And this is a 10 year old. Yeah. Well, that's That's terrible. Instagram is every time there's a like, it's a dopamine release. Yeah, exactly. So, 
this is terrifying to me. Um, so we're, he doesn't know this yet because I want to spend some time thinking it through, but uh, he's going, he's going to remove that heroin needle from his arm and going cold turkey. So there's no more iPad. We can't get, you, you can get rid of roadblocks, but then there's, it's playing whack-a-mole, you know, he has to learn the self-control necessary before he's able to play those types of games. That's all there I is just, to it. I just wonder, like, because I don't have kids yet, but this is amazing, especially from your perspective. It makes so much sense. It's just there is there is like a line, though, right, where are you handicapping your kid? And I, I genuinely don't know. Are you handicapping your kid by not having them be technically savvy from the get go? Or is it good to have that incremental integration with that type of technology? And if so, when? But also it's a it's an educational type thing, but also something that needs to be driven from the inside out, not an ex yeah. external side in. So that's where I always see, you know, like I hear it a lot and, and I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do, but I've always kind of worried about parents who just like cold turkey their kids and basically ostracize their kid from the social dynamics, which are already yeah. difficult in that growing up stage. So oh, don't I, worry, I don't he's, know. he's still got an iPad at school. And now they're oh, back in school. So he has the social aspect in human person, right? So that, that's a different story. I agree with you. And, and as far as the technological ostracization, um, that's almost impossible. We're not Amish for crying out loud. I mean, there's technology all over the place, but they master at that age, they master it so quickly. It's mind blowing. What I'd like to do instead is get him on, a, get him to build his own PC or get them on a PC, learn how the, uh, the non-Apple side of things work, um, figure out how Google Documents, Microsoft Word, all of these things that you can actually be a productive member of society. Uh, he's already doing PowerPoints, um, you know, things like that. So there's all kinds of technology that a kid can learn, but I don't know that anybody's ever accused Word or Excel of being addictive. You know what I mean? Like they're tools to accomplish something. You don't, um, I don't know, you don't get a dopamine release from scrolling down on Word, right? Maybe you do. That'd be a little odd. Um, and you're also not, you don't get the mindset cancer because you're not comparing yourself to somebody other, somebody else's ideal. Um, you know, things like that. So I, yeah. I want them to, to grow up with um, like the core fundamental things that you can't get from a computer or a screen kindness empathy you know um conversational ability uh those types of things and you just can't get those from a screen it's not possible it, it has yeah. to go away yeah something about that is is one thing that i've wondered about is i once heard about this piece of tech that i still have to look deeper into but like if I had a really, really young kid, I don't want him to be on an iPhone, which is just so powerful, right? It's just yeah. unbelievably powerful. But I heard of this tech where they gave their kid a watch. And so a lot of parents are afraid of their kid running out and being free. But if you look in Japanese society, the parents have their kids go to school six, seven miles away using subway, yeah. public transportation on their own at such a young age. And it's yeah. we held our kids' hands here in the States till XYZ age. And so one interesting piece of tech uh, that's, if that's cultural, we can't really change it by saying, you know, change as a culture, but also we are not as safe in certain ways than Japan. And, and so there's those things to weigh, but I also believe that there's ways to possibly create like progressive iterable technology and technological pieces for different age stages 
that yeah. don't just give you an iPhone. And like one of the coolest pieces of tech that I once heard of, and it's so simple and it's exactly kind of like the concept of the dumb phone or something like that is for a kid, if you're worried about them going out and running and playing, even at the park, six blocks mm -hmm. down, there's like a watch that does not look beautiful. So there's no emotional design to it. And that's why it's not taking off too. It's not very well interface driven and, and stuff, but like, if we can create like a beautiful watch, like the Apple watch that emotionally attaches to people, people are really, and it has a good user experience and all it has is three numbers on it to talk with your parents. And you're always on the grid, like a GPS, yeah. maybe that seems like very fair, progressive steps with regards to tech, but I don't ever hear any tech like that being like talked about at large or at scale, or yeah. how do we have the, what is it? The Montessori system or whatever it is. Like, I just wish that, you know, tech wasn't just, the most incredibly powerful piece, but I wish we had the abilities to either curate that tech, like adult controls, but even more in tune, or we had yeah. actual tech pieces. Cause we can now, I mean, we have Tesla doing AI day, you know, like why, why is it always about like this huge next thing? Like, why can't we, I don't know. Right. I think you're right on the money. Uh, I plan on giving our kids a, an Apple watch before the iPhone so that we can, um, you know, they can, you can communicate shockingly well with an Apple watch. If you're willing to jump through the hoops with other people, right? Like texting group text, you, the three of us wouldn't do it because it's a, a real pain, but if you're a kid and that's all you have, it's the best thing ever. Um, that's a good idea. So you're, wow. The reason that hasn't happened yet is because Apple doesn't want it to happen. Well, that's, that's the all. thing. It pisses me off, but I think someone else should just make it. I mean, it's not hard to make a, a watch that cause three people and has maybe a basic to SMS service. Right. And, and the fact that no one's really designed something elegantly to do that, maybe I haven't looked hard enough, but marketed it and gotten investment capital that upsets All me. Apple has, Apple needs to do that in order to save the, the generations from all of these problems. Right. But in order, if they were to turn that feature on, it neuters their effectiveness for getting more people into their ecosystem and spending that much money it would neuter it well that's you the know, point this is the exact problem that's the exact yeah. exact issue and and i think a lot of the times it's all about um getting that next round or getting that next investor to make a lot more money nowadays yeah. due to how that algorithm has been designed right i mean mm -hmm. that's genuinely what gdp is right it's it's a badly designed what something 80 i don't remember now but there are other types of metrics that are probably more optimal to use as a society that are not yeah. just uh capitalistically driven with regards to monetary scale but also emotionally driven what's the depression rate what's the suicide rate what's yeah and that should be unmetric and that should be what we're going off of but uh, that's like, I mean, isn't Silicon Valley coming up with their own stock system? And didn't they have that ability to kind of like rechange that algorithm, but it's not really taking off? But I, I yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm just seeing that all of that, uh, the proverbial mindset cancer, again, it's attacking our kids. And that means it's attacking other kids. Um, you know, they're the generation younger than you guys is anxiety laced, just riddled with anxiety. I see it in my patients. 
it's one after another after another. These kids have anxiety listed on their, their medical charts. Why? Is it something in the water? Is it something in the food? Uh, maybe, probably not. That stuff's monitored. It's the, it's the other social influences that aren't uh, regulated, I should say. So I'm not proposing regulation. It's not like that. Just don't do that stuff. Yeah. Do you, are you like me up to both of you where I genuinely, even like last night I'm in bed and I have this, it's so upsetting to me that it's so ingrained that it's become like, I have this Twitch and I'm like, Oh, I want to check my phone. And I was like, I just checked it literally a minute ago. And yeah. it, it upsets me to like feel and see and think, notice that thought of, Oh, I need, oh, did I, and then you see myself like, turn on and off the screen and no notifications. And then I'm like, I it just, I just get very frustrated with how I've been socially engineered yeah. and designed. It's so annoying. Yeah. I turn my notifications are all off as a general rule because you don't need them on your phone. Um, you look at your phone enough. I mean, there's so few things that you need to know by the minute or the five minutes or the 10 minutes. It's just unlikely. Um, from a time management's perspective, it couldn't possibly be worse to keep those on. So those are all off, except for a couple things. Um, a couple of people who can call me and my phone rings and my watch rings. So I don't miss the call. And then uh, Twitter. That's so interesting to me, There's, actually. Well, Twitter only uh, Elon, every single thing that he tweets, I want it to light up like Las Vegas. Not because I, like I need that. to know immediately, but when he tweets, it's something that can cost a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, which is what happened a couple times, and then a couple of the Tesla guys, because when they say something, it's really worth listening to. The value that their tweets provide can be extreme. Uh, that's it. Now, Otherwise, you might be able to you might be able to do a I have like a set up an automated alert where if if someone tweets then it sends you a text message so it's almost like they're tweeting to you yeah i don't know how to do that you could show me how to do that that'd be helpful because i do tend to text more frequently what i would like to do actually is if elon tweets i want my phone to ring you know i you know like i could actually help you set this up for fun i i created my own texting robot called hubot and every morning it'll text me at 7 a.m and it's very simple through twilio but I've actually was very interested in this. This is exact type of conversation is exactly why that's been created. But um, uh, if you really want to, we can we can play with it. It's like 0. 0.001 cent per text or 0. 0.01 cent. I per have text. a Twilio account set up already for my yeah. software company. Yeah, um, and was that three PO? That's yeah. Awesome. I, I named it. I named it in my contact book. Hubot. and then it's basically a play on that. Yeah, but, I, I would love it if. Um, my phone rang every time Elon tweeted. Love it. And, and then uh, the idea from there would be to like create goals off of it. So if you want to add goals, then you get that type of notification, but like everything else that's triggering and just, uh, I was like, oh, how do I get this to go off in my life? <laughs> yep. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to give that some more thought. I don't want to start a company based on it. Telling you that right now. I'm, uh, I'm at my limit of company That's stuff. Twilio, unless, you, you don't good. need to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah unless it's really good. But I, th I think I think there are a lot of messaging app companies that are yeah. trying to trying to make it big. Yeah, I mean, Twilio could do this in a heartbeat if they wanted to, but they're this focused. Is also Twilio. 
It's what? Yeah, it's built off Twilio and with IFFT, exactly. Or Zapier, Zapier. So it's super easy to do the integration. It just takes like an hour. Yeah, I don't know how to do any of that stuff. But it's uh, okay. We'll get you. We'll, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, definitely IFTTT. It's an API for the world. Um, uh, doc, Dr. Mike, we asked all our guests this, but do you have any words of wisdom for our, uh, or any parting thoughts that you want to tell our listeners? Yeah, we've gone way over time as usual when three of us get together. Um, I think that, you know, that, that, that mindset cancer was definitely a marketing term used on my family, but uh, the core principle is there. And if you want to have a massive impact tomorrow on how you feel, turn the crap off to do it. What's the worst thing that could possibly happen? You have to tell, you have to lie to people and tell them you dropped your phone in the toilet and it took a couple of days to replace it. You dropped your phone, whatever it is. Um, try it. See what happens. See if your life falls apart. And after two or three days of all of that stuff being off, sit down and think about all of the things that you got back in your life that you don't want to give up just to have your phone annoy the, annoy the crap out of you. I've tried that. I've done that. I've taken it to the extreme and I'm happier. I'm just happier. And I got a ton of time back too. So we'll call that the mindset cancer time machine hack. How's that? I love it. That's amazing. Dr. Mike. So you're at digital minimalism, by the way, because that's, yeah, I got through about half of that and uh, it, was, it was tough to finish that book. You're like, I got it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the concept was great, but I, I saw the value of that in the first couple chapters. And then after that, it was longer than I think it needed to be. Yeah. That sounds, might sounds, be like, a... sounds like you just need one Cal Newport interview and then you're good. Well, I was minimalistic about the digital minimalism book, which I think he would have been happy with. <laughs> Who knows? I'm full of crap. <laughs> oh, I love uh, it. Amazing. Yeah, I'm going to have to. I, I never thought about just going into the notifications of all of them and just turning them off because I've done do not disturb. And the thing I don't like about it is it takes two phone calls before someone gets through. And yeah. I don't want to have to say to mom or dad, call me twice. No. I want to what if they time. can make a second phone call? So exactly. Yeah, not a good idea. Exactly. Yeah. So. But that's awesome. That's exactly why I wish that was a setting. Just allow the like a certain favorites to come through on Do Not Disturb, and I'd use it all the time. But anyways, I dig we digress yet again, and I and I have a very very strong feeling that we're going to one day, hopefully, at your okay, have a round three with Senior Doctor Mike. <laughs> um, yeah. And again, we'll sadly have to wrap this one up. So thank you so much. Dr. Mike for coming on yeah, to the show. Yeah, thank you guys. This was a blast as always. And uh, this is once again the Moon Tea Podcast where we talk about craft, community, and building meaningful careers. And here we are yet again and hopefully next week we'll be at it again. So tune in next time. See ya.